We read the scripture as to not forget where we've come from and where we are going. That is towards Jesus. Take a moment to speak it out loud over your life, your family, and our world. Now let's read together. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Well, good morning. Welcome to Faith Church. We're really glad you are with us. Whether you are sitting in a seat in the room or in your own home, we are glad we can all be together here on this amazing day. It's been a great weekend here in uh, Fort Scott in our area as we've I got to celebrate some good old days, and I hope you got to get out and get some sun and uh, make some memories with your family and spend lots of money here locally and be a blessing and all those wonderful things. It's been a great, a great, great weekend, and so uh, I'm so glad that you took some time to join us today um, here in the room or obviously tuning in. Some of you traveling or on vacation, and uh, we're grateful to get to be together. I want to mention two things uh, today. For, for us, uh, number one, July 4th, that Sunday, we will not have regular gatherings here in the building. Uh, instead, we are going to the park. Uh, 9.30 is where we'll begin to meet. We'll be there for a couple hours. We actually have shelter two and three rented all day. Uh, so you and your family can make plans and do whatever. And uh, we're going to come together and just enjoy. And uh, you're like, well, what are we going to do? What's the program? I don't know. Whatever you decide to do, that's what... You're like, no, I need, a, I need an agenda, Pastor. Well, go ahead and start praying about it and making one. At 9.30, you're going to arrive. At 10 o'clock, you're going to go for a walk with some friends. Like, I don't, make it. We are the church, and we are going to gather at the park and just enjoy um, some time. Uh, just kind of reengaging and connecting face-to-face as a church family outdoors. Uh, we're spread across uh, two services, we have people watching online, and uh, so it's going to be a great opportunity to come, and come ready to be friendly, and not get mad at no parking, okay, that's, that's all I'm going to ask, come ready to be friendly, and don't get mad because there's terrible parking at Gun Park, all right, just come ready for a good attitude. Second thing I want to mention, water baptism is coming up later this month. If uh, you've never been water baptized, this is your step. If you have been water baptized, maybe as a kid, um, but then you've kind of walked through some life, you kind of lived for your own self and recently have kind of repented and returned back to the Lord and the Lord's doing uh, a new work in your heart, well, water baptism is your next step. You can sign up out in the lobby or directly from the central hub. Uh, well, if you have your Bibles, join me in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're starting our summer study where we take June, July, and August as a church and kind of focus in on a study together. And uh, I think this is going to be a really great um, study as we walk through the book of 1 Corinthians. Now, a little history and background. 1 Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul around 56 AD. This was actually his second letter 
to these people, to this, this gathering of people, to this church in Corinth. We don't know where the first one is. It has either been lost or it didn't make the cut to get into the Bible. We're not really sure what. All we know is we don't have it now. And uh, we can just trust God that what we have is what we need in the scriptures. And he put in here what he wanted in here. Uh, but we know that this is actually a, a letter, his second letter, and it's answering questions and in response to some things that they wrote to him as well. So this is actually his second letter to the church in Corinth. And uh, this was a church Paul himself planted, started this congregation of believers. He was in Corinth for about 18 months and was like, cool, I'm on to the next city to do this again. Here's some leaders. Here's some people. Don't make a mess of it. I'll write to you. We'll zoom in and uh, we'll make sure we stay connected. And so Paul is writing and creating these Zoom meetings, if you will, back and forth to help make the church uh, move forward. Now, I don't know a better way to put this other than to simply say, the church in Corinth was whacked. Like, they were a, a hot mess. They were wild and wacky and all over the place. Their theology was messed up. Their actions were super, super not godly. Um, but yet God was still at work among them. And it's a really, really interesting thing because Corinth was a port city. So lots of commerce and people were getting very, very rich because of all of the trade and commerce and the shipping that was happening in and out of the city. Think, think a port city like Miami, right? Party until the break of dawn, all night till the break of dawn, welcome to Miami, right? Like, sorry, I'm kicking a little 90s Will Smith up in the sermon, and some of you are like, Will who? It's okay, Google him. It's fine. I will break it down, though, if I need to. It, think, think Miami and Las Vegas in one city. This is Corinth. There are problems. There are lots of things that are going on. They, the city was infamous for things like self-indulgence, sensuality, and prostitution. There was a load of worship of false gods, both in idol form and in uh, other forms as well. There was a, a, a huge sense of, of worship to one of the main false gods in the area was Aphrodite or Venus. And, and Venus or, or Aphrodite was the goddess of licentious love. And, they had, and she had a thousand prostitutes that served in her temple. It was a huge temple. And, and, and essentially, if you were saying, hey, I'm going to this temple to worship, that meant you were going to do one thing. And it didn't put a smile on God's face. Men and women alike went and worshipped in this temple. And the way in which they worshipped, well, there was a thousand of them. So probably a pretty big church. I don't know. They had pagan ideology that was rampant. And many people tried to take the pagan ideas, the idol worship, the cultural norms, and just add Christianity into the mix. Jesus became just another God that they served and worshiped. It was culturally normal. Oh, yeah, yeah, I like Jesus. I like his teachings. I, he's all about love, and he wants me to be blessed, and he helps me do me, and I need him, and 
I'm just going to add him into my life. The problem was Jesus comes to transform our heart, transform our life, and radically flip us around to move in the way of Jesus, not just add him into our American norms and say, this is the way we do things, and we get to just add a little bit of things into our lives, and we'll take the good parts of Jesus that we like, and we'll reject the hard parts of Jesus that we don't like, and we just kind of make it formed and fashioned into whatever ideology and belief system we want. And this is what was happening in the church in Corinth. Infanticide was popular practice. They were living for only themselves. They lived with such passion for themselves. They denied themselves no pleasure, no entertainment, and their body was their choice. So they were aborting babies and killing babies after they were born because they didn't want anything hindering them from living however they wanted. This was Corinth. It was a port city. People were coming in and out. Corinth was the place that if you were anybody, if you were a who's who among modern day philosophers and speakers, you wanted to go to Corinth because you could pack out a stadium, have your name in the marquee lights and finally arrive. This is the Tony Robbins, Oprah Winfrey, Joe Rogan stop. Everybody who was anybody wanted to come through and share how you should live your life and peddle an idea and an ideology to the people of Corinth. And yet in the midst of all of this, God was building a church, a mosaic of people who would follow after his heart, be transformed by the cross, and live out a demonstration of power of the Spirit that would radically transform their culture and the people that they were connected to. God was at work. Paul writes this as a pastoral letter to correct doctrine and uh, some misunderstandings as it relates to doctrine. He wrote to help solve practical problems that were happening within the church. There were eight major topics that you'll find in the book of 1 Corinthians. Things like a sectarian spirit, which is divisions among the people of God. Sexual immorality, marriage, singleness, divorce, eating food offered to idols, wearing head coverings, the Lord's Supper, communion, spiritual gifts, and the resurrection of physical bodies. He wrote and addressed all of these within his letter. The first six chapters of the book of 1 Corinthians is a strong rebuke to the people and how they were approaching their faith and their day-to-day lives. The last 10 chapters of the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul is addressing problems and questions that they wrote him about. He's responding to their questions. So what we need to understand as we approach this and we begin to study this is that Corinth was a specific place with a specific people dealing with specific problems. The Bible in general, I want us to understand this when it comes to studying the Bible. The Bible was not written to you directly, but it is written for you. There's a direct, you didn't live in Corinth. There are people who lived in Corinth. Paul was writing to them specifically about specific things. So when we read these things, what we need to do is look at what was he telling them? What was the underlying truth or principle? How do we then apply that to our life? How does that still impact us as we follow Jesus? As we look to allow Jesus to transform us and not just be a new add-on that we add like we're upgrading a new refrigerator and we want a new digital feature, right? Like this is more than that. 
So we look at these things and we examine the truth of what God says in his word. We examine the truth about who Jesus is and we want to find a way in which we can move forward in following Jesus. And this is the people and this is the heart Paul begins to write with. So let's start in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to read the first nine verses this morning and share a few thoughts with you, how it connects to our hearts and then we'll respond in communion together. Verse 1, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ, Jesus, by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way. For in him, Jesus, you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. Let me say it again. I don't think you heard me, church. God is faithful. Who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is the word of God. Friends, I want to share three thoughts uh, from this section of scripture that I think are going to help us um, grab a hold of some truths that we can embed into our lives, put flesh on and live out that I think are impactful for us today, sitting here in 2021. Number one, here's, here's the first thought. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this one down. Uh, God can transform any heart. There is not a heart God cannot touch and reach. There is not a life that is too full of sin to be redeemed by God. There is no heart too hard, too prideful, too sinful, too, too rebellious to be returned and find forgiveness through Jesus Christ. There is not a person who is so evil that God, through his spirit and power and the word of God, transformed their heart completely. Pastor, how do you know this? From the very first words, Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ. Paul. Paul wasn't always called Paul. Paul used to be called Saul. Saul's story you find in Acts, I believe it's uh, 8, 9, and 10 in the gospel or in the book of Acts in the New Testament. Paul, Saul, before he became Paul, was a religious leader. 
He was a Pharisee among Pharisees. He was bright. He was intelligent. He was one smart cookie, right? Like he, was, he would write dissertations. He could argue. He, he, he was a keeper of the law. He was devout, and he was passionately zealous for the laws of God. He loved God of Israel. He hated Jesus. In fact, he was a part uh, and present while they were stoning one of the early disciples, a man by the name of Stephen. Paul, his name was Saul, was holding the coat, coats of all of the other guys who had taken off their coats to throw stones at this guy named Stephen. Saul was there present, cheering him on. Oh, that's a good one. I like that one. Hit him again. I got a rock for you. Throw this one. Saul became a terrorist, a murderer, and he persecuted early Christians. He went out of his way to hunt down gatherings of Christ followers, throw them in prison, and kill them. This is Saul. And one day on the road, he was on his way to persecute some more Christians, round them up and throw them in uh, the gas chambers. He was on his way, and all of a sudden, a blinding light appeared from heaven. Horse knocks him off. He falls on his backside. He goes blind and has a vision of Jesus. Nobody else with them has, is seeing this. All they saw was his horse kick up and Paul's acting like he's blind. And all of the people that were with him were like, uh, is this guy okay? Like what, what happened? Did he hit his head too hard? Is, is his head bleeding? Did he hit, land on a rock? I don't know. He is talking crazy. Because what happened? Saul, while being blind, all of a sudden saw a picture and Jesus appeared to him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who is this, Lord? I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you persecute. He has a radical, miraculous conversion experience. He's blind for several days, eventually gets healed. He repents. Um, he, he begins to hang out with other disciples and learn. He spends some time, three years in Egypt, being taught by God himself, like, like having angelic visitations where God is giving him direct revelation of what the Old Testament said and how Jesus fulfilled all of what the Old Testament talked about and how Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and he came and through that power and understanding, Paul began to then God changes his name from Saul to Paul and he becomes an apostle of God. So when I say there is not a heart God can't transform, Paul would be the first to say, that's right, preach it again. Because his heart, his life, completely transformed by the message of Jesus Christ. Completely wrecked by the person of who Jesus is. Friends, there is not a heart too hard for God. There are people that you might know that you're like, they are a lost cause. No, they're not. God can still reach them. God can still get into their heart. God can still do something new in them because he's not done. He's still God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is still true. The cross is still powerful, and the gospel still works. The spirit is still at work in the world. There is not an evil person in the world that God cannot transform their heart. Friends, this is good news for you and me. While you might not have been a terrorist, you probably terrorized somebody, right? While you may have not been a murderer, you probably have allowed hate to grow in your heart at one point in your life. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us sinful in our own ways. And God can transform 
your heart. And when he transforms your heart, he invites you into a family called the family of God. And it's within the family of God that we learn and grow to be world changers for God. That, that brings me to point number two. The church is God's idea. No human created this on their own. Like, ah, oh, I think we need a way to raise money and send missionaries. That would be a cool thing to have missionaries. That would be fun. Let's, let's get some people together. Everybody pull the resources. This is, is going to be a great way for some guys who know how to talk for a long period of time and just wax eloquently. This would be a great way for them to get rich. And Oh, yeah, you know what? Let's go ahead and build this organization, and then we can control how people behave, and then it becomes a political power, and we can do all these things. And are, are there abuses in the church? Are there distortions of the church? Are there some church organizations and denominations that aren't quite healthy and living on the mission of God? Yeah, there probably are, but let's not forget church is still God's idea. The church is still the hope of the world. It is plan A for God. It is plan A for the message of Jesus and the cross to be distributed and encountered by the worldwide people, by people in every nook and cranny of society, those who have been rejected and those who have a lot, those who have been forgotten and those who are well known. The gospel wants to come to us. Church is God's idea. The church, look at what he says, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people together with those everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus, their Lord, and our Lord. What is the church? The church is holy people because of Jesus with global impact and local involvement. To the church of God in Corinth. To the church of God in Garland, Kansas. To, to Faith Church, the church of God in Fort Scott region in Southeast Kansas. It is a, a global impact with local involvement. Friends, we believe that the church is one holy, global, capital C church. It is worldwide, it is the people of God and all who have been redeemed and made holy and sanctified by God, all who have called on the name of the Lord, they have been brought into the family of God and we, while a local expression, are connected to a global movement of people of God. We believe that the holy people because of Jesus is a localized expression of a global body. I believe it takes different kinds of churches to reach different kinds of people. This is why at Faith Church, we are not a local competitor, nor in a global race trying to compare ourselves with anyone else or to grab more market share of Christians than another church. We are here to champion the message of Jesus. We celebrate the other expressions of the local body of Christ from this place and in our area. We champion, we celebrate, we thank God for them. Why? Because we are the body of Christ. We may not agree on everything, we may not do everything the same, but it doesn't matter. We are all wanting to lift up the name of Jesus and see hearts transformed. We're not in competition with other places. We are rather here to celebrate and cheer on every work of God that has been localized and expressed in some way, shape, or form that honors who Jesus is. That's what we're about. That's where we are. See, it's not just a holy people just by Jesus with global impact and local involvement, but, but I believe that church, as God's idea, is the assembled people who partner together 
in discipleship and mission. This is us. An assembled people. You have assembled in this sanctuary sitting in a seat. You have assembled in your home sitting on a couch. We are faith church together wherever you are. Each week we're hearing stories of uh, people who are watching online and are being blessed by the, by, by the services and are connecting and looking in. We, we've heard stories all throughout our time uh, of families who would listen online. There are families who listened online to our teachings for almost a year before they ever stepped foot in our building. And once they step foot, they haven't left yet. The Lord, online ministry has always been a part of what we believe God wants us to do. I believe Faith Church is called to be a large resource church in our area. I believe that there's a day coming where not only do we have people sitting in seats in a sanctuary, not only do we have families gathered in their own homes uh, watching services online, but I believe that there will be strategic placements of house gatherings where people know in every region, every area, maybe beyond driving distance from our church and some within driving distance from our church where they open their home to other followers of Jesus. They come in, they listen to the message, they worship together, they pray together, they share a meal and they talk about it. It's like if Sunday morning and connect groups have a baby, that's what it's gonna look like. Like this is what we believe is part of our mission. This is part of how we want to make disciples. This is part of how we want to create more localized expressions of the body of Christ. Friends, I believe that Faith Churches is one of those places where we assemble together and we assemble with purpose. We assemble not to get distracted. Friends, we need to realign our hearts and reset our thinking to remember that the gathered people of God is the church. It's not a building and it's not individuals disconnected who call on the name of the Lord. Part of the, the definition of church is that we are the gathered people of God. And we gather in a lot of different ways. And can I just challenge you, whether you are sitting in a seat in this sanctuary or you are at home in your living room, when you show up and gather, show up ready to engage and not get distracted. An hour and 20 minutes is not too much time to invest and in being the people of God week after week. You have 168 hours in a week. There is no way an hour and 20 minutes is just too much for somebody as busy as you to assemble and to be the people of God. Friends, I'm not saying that church attendance is the only metric by which you know that you are saved and are people of God. I'm just saying if you are a part of the people of God, one of the hallmarks of being the people of God is that we gather together. Friends, there, there were people all through COVID saying, Pastor, I can't believe we're closing our doors. I can't believe we're just doing online. Man, we need to get back in person. We need to get back in person. We need to get back in person. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I love being in person. I think it's part. We always need to gather. Online and here, we always want to gather. But can I just tell you, those people, Many of them still haven't returned yet to, to in-person service. And when they have returned, it's been incredibly sporadic. Friends, we cannot allow ourselves to slip into a consumer mentality as it relates to the people of God to where Christianity is just a convenient commodity we add. 
There has to be an element in our hearts that says, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. I can't be a Christian by, in isolation. I am called to be a part of a body of Christ. It is the assembled together. There's a beautiful mosaic that occurs when we all regather together. What do we do at the beginning of our service when we say, friends, can you stand with us? That is what's called in the order of events, a call to worship. We are prophetically and announcing, friends, let us all come together, strangers and neighbors as one. And we are becoming the, the, the members of the body of Christ that have been scattered throughout the week into different areas of society. We, as the people of God, week after week, Hear the call to worship and we regather. We reassemble together. There is a call. Avengers assemble and we gather in the Spirit's power and in His might to make a difference. Church is God's idea. I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you my idea, I'm just trying to tell you what God's idea is. This is what we are called to do. Friends, there is no perfect church. It doesn't exist. There are church preferences. Absolutely. 100%. You might have a preference of hearing from a guy who doesn't wear really big glasses and wears a suit and tie. I'm sorry. I will probably disappoint you each week. Right, like we have preferences. I have preferences. Not everything that happens in this room week, week in and week out happens according to my preference. We all have preferences. But there's not a perfect church. We're just the church. This is a place where imperfect people are always welcome. Because we believe that as we gather, God transforms our hearts. God can transform any heart. Church is his idea. His idea is that imperfect people who need a heart transformation continually come together again and again. Friends, there are some of you who, similar to me, your story is a little different than my story, but you've had some pain caused by the church. More specifically, you've probably had some pain caused by people in the church. Me too. Me too. But that pain isn't worth rejecting the whole body. That one person, it's not worth throwing the whole thing away. And sometimes you need to switch congregations where you worship and are part. I, I, I believe that's true. I'm just saying that, is, that the place often of our pain can often become the very place that God brings the same kind of healing that we need. Think, think of it like this. Judas. The Bible says Satan entered him and he betrayed Jesus. He was a disciple. One of the twelve. He betrayed Jesus. He literally was acting like the spawn of Satan. Don't miss this. And there wasn't a single disciple who decided, I can't handle what Judas did. I'm no longer following Jesus because of it. Mm. 
Not one. We have no record of any follower of Jesus being like, forget it. I've wasted three years of my life. Thanks for nothing, Judas. Jerk. The pain, was it real? Absolutely. Absolutely. But God can transform and heal any heart, any pain, any hurt. And we, the wounded people of God, broken as we are, still assemble together to make a beautiful mosaic of the beauty of God meant to display his glory, not our glory. This is what church is about, friends. This is what church is about. Finally, number three, church is where those transformed by the power of the cross can discover their gifts and put them into practice, participating in a way that helps others' hearts be transformed too. It's other imperfect people who decide, my heart has been touched by God, I've been changed by God, I'm going to go lead a small group for some kids every Sunday. So their hearts can be transformed too. My heart has been transformed by God so much. I, I want to be a part of using my gifts. I, I don't know, but I like to wave at people and help. I like to tell people what to do, and I like to do it with a smile on my face. The parking lot is my place. I'm going to serve. I'm going to smile and then tell every car where to go. <laughs> You're coming alive using your spiritual gifts. Right? Like, this is the place where church comes together and transformed people who have been transformed by the power of the cross discover, wait, I have a gift that God actually gave me to be used in a way that as I practice and I participate with the body who are assembled week in and week out, I get to help others encounter a God who wants to transform their heart like he transformed my heart. Friends, church is not a spectator event. Church is a body and a family in which we participate in. Every family has family chores. Every family has responsibilities that they carry within the family. Friends, as the family of God, We want to invite you to participate in the family. Not just show up and say, high five, I like this family. But to show up and say, I'm a part of this family. I want to help other people's hearts get transformed too. I think two of the greatest ways in which we see our relationship with God grow and our hearts really flourish is when we recognize that we need to build relationships in the family of God and carry responsibilities among the people of God in the house of God. It's not that we do these things to put on a show and to create a platform or to be known, and this is the only place that we use your gifts. No, 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 no. The ultimate goal is not a performance at church. Rather, church is a place that we practice our gifts within the church, practicing walking in a God confidence so that when we go outside of the gathering, when we're in our cubicle, when we're in the checkout line, when we're teaching a, a kindergarten class, when we're moving gravel 
around, when we're teaching a high school class, when we're moving about mowing yards and hanging gutters and driving a truck, that when we go out into the world, we have a confidence because we've had a safe place to practice those gifts. The reason we often don't live out our faith is because we don't have a safe place, we think, to practice our faith. Friends, the house and the family of God is the safest place for you to begin practicing what it looks like to love neighbor as you love yourself, to serve God using your gifts and talents and abilities. It is the church where we gather and bring these things to each other. Church is not something we consume, but rather it is a people who are all partnering together we all come to church for a lot of reasons. I, I don't know why you came to church. I don't know why you started coming to church. I don't know why you started coming to this church. Maybe there was a problem in your marriage and you're like, you know what? I don't know what else we're gonna do. We may as well give God a try. Maybe he can fix him, her. Like, I don't really know what to do with my kids. They're not listening. They're not obeying. Maybe we'll try church. I'm really sick and tired of this addiction and this pain in my life. I can't seem to break it and get over it. Maybe God can help me. There's a really cute girl who attends this church. I'd really like to get to know her. I don't know why you started coming to church. And frankly, I'm really glad. Whatever reason brought you here, you know what's gonna keep you in the family of God? That you have a real encounter with Jesus you personally begin to grow in your faith and you recognize this is bigger than just me. I'm here to contribute and be a part of somebody else's transformation too. That's it. Because if you come for a material reason, if you come because, man, if I start going to church, maybe my business will turn around. Maybe I'll start closing the business deals if I give God a few more times. So we treat it like Christian karma, hoping that we do enough good things this week that God blesses us later in the week you will eventually be deeply disappointed, my friend. We gather because of Jesus. And as we gather, whatever reason you start out at, I think God is willing to welcome you in. And he knows if you just stick around long enough, your heart will get transformed too. Your heart will begin to change. You'll start to see things different. Your belief will begin to grow. You'll begin to, to recognize some things that are different in you. In verse 9, it says, God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Fellowship. That word fellowship is not a, a, a Christian way of saying, let's all have a potluck and eat like pasta salad seven different varieties from seven different family recipes. That's not fellowship. That's, that's not the entirety of what it means. It's not, hey, let's go hang out at the park on July 4th. Call it fellowship and this is what we do. That's not what that word means. The, the word fellowship is the Greek word koinonia, which is a mutual partnership. It means that I'm going to bring what I have, you bring what you have, and let's together partner with Jesus to see hearts transformed. Here at Faith Church, we don't want you just to come and belong to the family. We want that. We want you to belong to the family, 
We want you to become a disciple, allow something to grow in you, and we want to invite you to build the kingdom of God. What, what does it look like to belong? Showing up, being here, being a part of a connect group. What, what does it look like to become a disciple? Learning, growing, digging in, taking next steps like water baptism. What, what, what does it look like to build the kingdom of God? You know what it looks like? Choosing to partner with other people who call this place home, bringing my time, my talent, my treasure, being a part of what God is doing so that more hearts can be transformed by the cross of Jesus. This is what it looks like. Today, this week, I wanna help us put this into practice. Two, two things, one question, one action step. Here, here's my question for us today. Is there any area in your life, any priority in your life, any attitude, action, anything in your life where you are not submitted to Jesus as Lord? Where's your way, not his way? Where's your agenda, not his agenda? Is there any area in your life where you were like, well, let me just add Christianity in yet you haven't really experienced that heart transformation yet? Would you ask the Lord to reveal that to you? Maybe ask a spouse or a close friend. Are there areas in my life where you see where maybe I'm not really yielded to God? Where, where I'm my own God? Would you, ask, would, you, would you be bold enough to ask that question? And then two, Many of you have been a part, you, you've been here. I'm, I, I want to challenge you to get out of the seat and let's serve together in a partnership that allows other people an opportunity to have their heart transformed. Maybe it's serving in kids. Maybe it's helping here in the 11 o'clock to open doors, park cars, give out communion. There are a lot of opportunities. Maybe you, maybe you serve in the 9.30 and you attend the 11. Maybe you attend the 11 and you serve in the 9.30. Maybe, maybe flip around. Whatever way I didn't say it right, do the opposite of it. What, what is it for you? What is it for you? Maybe there's a way. Growth track is a, a first step for you to take in that direction. Happens during the 11 o'clock service. We'll help you discover some of your spiritual gifts. Tell you more about the church and what it looks like to be a partner here. But God has given you something, and let's, as the people gathered and assembled, choose to make an impact in somebody's heart. Choose to make an impact so that they can grow. Friends, we don't use our gifts so that we can boast. Oh, I'm a I'm a door holder. I yes, yes, yes. I sing on the worship team. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. I'm the best kids small group leader. I've been doing it for years. We don't use our gifts to boast. No. We use our gifts to point people to Jesus. That's it. The cross changes us to where Christianity becomes our way of life, not an add-on to our life transforms us to walk in the way of Jesus instead of the way of the world. To walk after him instead of walk after our own selfishness and lusts and self-indulgence. It's a cross that changes us to where we no longer follow the cultural zeitgeists 
in our world. We move in a new direction. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. Verse 26, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were for noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of, of the world to shame the strong. God chose the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Not so that anybody can boast in themselves, but so at the end of the day, the only person who gets to boast is Jesus, and we get to point people to Jesus. Friends, I am one of the lonely, lowly ones. I, I, I am one of the ones listed here where it says that the non-influential, non-noble birth, the foolish, the weak, and the unintelligent. That's me. Friends, scored a 16 on my ACT coming out of high school. That's right. I was wicked smart. I don't possess a four-year college degree. But I have lived my life in a way to say, God, you can use anything can, can you use me God if I'm willing to make myself available could, could I partner with you to see other lives transformed foolish things kind of confounds the wise sometimes foolish things like I know I'm going to take a city boy and put him in Fort Scott I'm going to take a guy who owns no camo except for the bottom of his brand new shoes. The only piece of camo I own right here. I walk on it. I'm going to, I'm going to take this city boy who doesn't know anything about farming or cows or ranchers, and I'm going to put him right in Fort Scott. Friends, I don't, I don't know why people keep coming to church. I, I know it's not because of me. I get blown away when I stop. I think about that God is faithful. And he can take the foolish things that don't make sense to nobody. Two of these things are not like the other. One of these things just doesn't look like it belongs. So that one day God gets the glory. And no man gets to boast except of who Christ is. Friends, would, would you be willing to be foolish enough to say, I'm available, God, I'll partner with you. I'll be a foolish one that you can use to see other hearts transformed. I can be in on that, God. Would you stand with me as we come to the table? Friends, I, I recognize that I'm 11 minutes into my bonus time which is only five minutes beyond our hour mark. So I told you hour and 20, I still got 15 minutes. Go ahead and open your communion.
you're at home, would you go ahead and get, get the elements ready? Go ahead, everybody just open, open them both up. Get, get all the loud noises out of the way. Friends, I've been a mess this week. So I've thought about story after story of people who said yes to Jesus and started to serve and did it reluctantly and did it because we asked, but all of a sudden discovered a new level of passion. People who stand on the stage and sing week after week never thought that they had the courage or a good enough voice to do it, but they absolutely have been gifted and graced by God to do it. People who thought, I don't know that I could stand any more children. I don't think I want to lead a small group, but have fallen in love with little children week after week. People who thought, really, we need to help people park? It's Kansas. People park wherever they want. Well, not in our parking lot, they don't. The city boy likes a little bit more order and organization than that. But men who have decided, I'm going to go stand out in the heat, in the rain, and in the snow, day, week in and week out, to be the first person to greet a car with a smile. Y'all, this is what it looks like to be the family of God. To come in our brokenness, our frailty, our jacked up lives, and our imperfections, and we say, God, if you can use that, maybe I'm not disqualified either. Would you transform my heart so I can be a part of a local expression making global impact? Lord, I I want to do that too. Friends, the cross changes everything in our lives. As we come to the table today, we, we're coming to remember the cross of Jesus, that his body was broken, that's the bread, and his blood was poured out, that's the juice that forgives and removes our sins. It's what gives us the transformation that we as we stand and we take communion and we come to take the bread and we come to take the, the juice, I, I want to remind you of what 1 Corinthians 1 verse 28 says. It says, brothers and sisters, I want you to remember where you were when you first heard about the grace of God the first time. Would you close your eyes? Would you just imagine for, for a moment, go back. When was the first time you heard about the love of God? What was your life like when you finally said yes to the grace of God? What were the doubts, the questions, the fears that you had to overcome just to say yes? Where were you the next time God showed up with some more grace in your life when you needed it? I want you to remember for a minute. Friends, that's what gives us patience to be with people who are also imperfect. Remembering that we all started at the same place in need of a Savior. Father, as we stand here at the table and we get ready to partake of the bread and the juice, Father, would you remind us of what it was like, where we were like when we received your grace for the first time? Or would you reinvigorate in this moment a commitment to be the gathered people of God, to be partners in the mission? and to allow your word to actually be the authority in our lives that really does bring transformation. 
Lord, that's our prayer today. That's our commitment today as we come to the table. Friends, on that last night, Jesus was betrayed. He took some bread. He blessed it. And he says, this is my body broken for you. Do this remembering me. Let's remember that together. Let's take the bread. Then he took a cup. And he says, this is the cup of a new covenant that I'm making with you. A new partnership. Every time you drink this, remember my blood being poured out for the remission, the removal of your sins stained past. Let's remember it and receive his grace. Father, today I pray a blessing over your people. Those of us that are a part of this church, those of us maybe that are just checking out faith for the first time, some of us, God, we're not even sure we believe fully in this Jesus, but we're all here, different stages and places in our lives. We all have our own pain, our own past, our own brokenness, but here we stand at the cross on level ground, all in desperate need of your grace again. So, Lord, this week as we go, would you help us not to just attend church, but would you help us to go be the church into every corner of culture, sending us out as missionaries with an assignment to do. And, Lord, each week as we gather, would you help us to gather and practice those skills and those gifts, sharpening one with another so that when we go out from this place again, we have more confidence in you. We have more uh, proficiency at what we do and we get to lift your name in a purer way than ever before. We ask these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.